turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 5, uh, verse 12. We're going to have a little chat about spiritual immaturity. Yes, we are. We're going to go there. We're going to talk about spiritual immaturity. I'm going to read um, a couple of passages and we're going to start digging into it. And um, I would, uh, you know, as always, I'd love your comments, I'd love your questions, I'd love your thoughts as we move through it. I think it'll be great. Um, But this is always a goodie. This is always a great one. And, you know, it needs to be done and no better time than the now than to uh, to actually look into it. people out there who have been able to over the past six weeks you know put a lot more time and um, prayer and um, uh, you know have been through some trials maybe uh, some testing and so obviously during those times you turn to God so you've been able to sit and ask a lot of really great questions and it's been fantastic to hear of them hear of walks and uh, what people are doing and um, hear of people's amazing faith and so what I thought I'd talk to is this this is really quite cool so when I say spiritual immaturity that's the title that we have there right but I really want to talk about um, about what this is actually saying like we do when we teach Because when you read the book of Hebrews, you first of all have to have an understanding that the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish people. Um, The author is up in the air as to who the author is. You've got people like Augustine who have said, hey, the author is Paul. You've got the original church fathers that sort of say, well, uh, we don't know who it is. We know it's not Paul. Um, And so you've got uh, a lot of modern day scholars who also, you know, um, debate in between who the different authors were. We do know uh, a lot of people use uh, toward the end there the mentioning of Timothy to state that, you know, look, this must be Paul's writing. It's not really enough to say that it is. There's a lot here that doesn't look like Paul's writing. The beginning is one that makes it not really Paul's writing. Paul addresses uh, a certain way. His address is always a certain way at the start of his letters and at the start of Hebrews. It doesn't have Paul's classic um, beginning. So, you know, there's so much here that doesn't say Paul wrote this. Um, so, uh, look, I'm of a believer that we don't really know who wrote this. Um, but we know that it was written to the Jewish people. So I'm going to say that. And to be honest with you, I think it had to have been written by someone who was Jewish themselves. Uh, so so let's say that. Now, the purpose of this letter, it's so stunning. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few themes that sort of run throughout it. But obviously one of the major themes here, and we, we meet it very early on at the beginning where we go straight into... Um, uh, you know, chapter 5, where it talks about the qualifications for high priest. Um, and basically the author is saying, hey, you are, a, you are a Jewish people. You are a people of, um, of God. You uh, know the, the Holy Scriptures of old. Um, now you have become believers. And so, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of hardship that comes with that because you are Jewish. There's going to be hardship in the fact that in order to become a Christian, you have to walk away from most of the time. In fact, the, the majority of the time, you have to walk away from your family, your friends. You had to walk away from your inheritance uh, because you could not be a Christian and be Jewish and expect to gain the inheritance of your family. So you were walking away from everything. It meant it cost you everything to be a Christian back then. And, and, and when they did this, obviously... Like anything, you know, you're going to get 
ridicule. You're going to get um, teased. You're going to get, uh, you know, back then they were very passionate about their religion. So you, you might even get physically beaten or, or um, uh, you know, hurt, harm come upon you. It's a real testing time for them because they're walking away from safety. They're walking away from uh, comfort. They're walking away from everything they've learned since they were children as well. It's not just something that they have... Uh, you know, picked up in their teens or their 20s and now they're in their sort of early 20s and they decided to become Christians. This is something that their families, 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 family have, uh, you know, for generations have learned and known to be their faith. And 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 so now there's this walk from, uh, you know, becoming, um, I suppose, a Jew believing in the law to becoming a Christian um, believing in Christ and the fulfillment of that law and a new, um, oh gosh, a new, oh, what's the word I am looking for? Covenant um, that has been cut. And, and, it, and, and it is quite a, a paradigm shift for them to, to, to embark upon. And so you've got all of these um, Jewish people who are humming and hiring at this point, and and a letter is being written to encourage them to talk to them of of greater things, and um and to say to them, you know, look, there's much more than what you're focusing on within what Christ came and taught, and within what God taught through the um, Old Testament as well. What you've been doing is you've been focusing on maybe the wrong things, and now you're you're wanting to swing back to do, to Judaism because you know it to be easy and you know it to be what you believe um, and and what you've been brought up on. But the letter is saying, I encourage you to not do that. I encourage you to believe in greater things. I, I encourage you to move on to to more mature the fullness of what it is that Jesus Christ taught. And so that's sort of where we come to here is that we've got uh, chapter five starting where he talks about. The qualifications for the high priest, and and it starts talking about um, uh, Christ as our becoming the high priest. And you got to remember, to the Jewish people, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because they had a system of priesthood, following in the Levitical priesthood. They had their high priest. They had their um, temple, their um, their their place that they would uh, that they would go and sacrifice and 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 meet with God. And and so they had this whole system set up that they'd known for generations. But here. In this letter, and, and when they come to know Christ, this letter is saying Christ is now our high priest. According, and if you go 5 verses 6, um, according to our high priest forever, our priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So he's our high priest and we are priests forever within the order of Melchizedek. So what this is saying, what the letter of Hebrews is saying to these Jewish people is, hey, this is where we should be thinking. We, we should be thinking in terms of, you know, the, the, the depth of what it is that Christianity has to offer now. Um, and, and so if you carry on going five uh, down to uh, sort of, oh, I guess I don't want to go and read too much, but in five verse nine, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. This is an encouraging letter 
to these people <laughs> and and it's so I, I always find it so fascinating because I always feel like if I were going to write a letter I would do it passionately and I feel like the, the author of Hebrews is passionate and it's like you know he's writing and he's and he's and I, I don't know I, I always picture myself waving your hands around you know as he's writing and ink's going everywhere because it's you know like a fountain pen maybe with something in it and um, you know and so you you're kind of uh, writing this letter and you come to this part and you're saying, and I'm trying to explain to you about this order of Melchizedek and how Jesus Christ is our high priest and things like that. Um, but I'm finding it hard to explain it to you because of the position that you are in spiritually. Not, not because they are hard of hearing. That's not the case. And we're not talking about a physical uh, deafness here. We're talking about a spiritual heart of hearing, a spiritual understanding. So they are dull of hearing within their spirit. And so therefore it's hard to explain this to them because, and here's why, and he kind of digresses. He wants to address why he makes that statement because remember, this is an encouraging letter. This is a letter to encourage these guys to stay within Christianity, not go back to their old ways. And so... The letter uh, they're talking about, and the, the writer is saying, the author is saying, I want to I take two seconds to digress, but to explain why I called you dull of spirit. Fair enough? So that's where we get into what we're going to talk about today. That's spiritual immaturity. And I thought I had to explain that because it's such a harsh way of putting it, spiritual immaturity. But, but, but I guess, you know, well, for starters, I don't apologize for the bluntness of the word of God. Um, it is how it is, and it's written how it's written. That's just the way it is. I'm not here to apologize for it. But what I am here to do is explain why, I guess in very simple terms, um, why it may seem the way it seems, but letting you know that there's layers of depth to that. And the layer of depth here is the author saying, hey, I want to encourage you, but I'm finding it really difficult, and I understand why the things that I'm trying to explain to you may be difficult, because... Your spirit has become dull. And what that means is, and he continues to say, for though by this time, and this is 5 verse 12, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. Pretty heavy, hey? I need to take a cup of tea, which means breathe. Um, so though... By this time, you ought to be teachers. So basically, he's saying to them, look, with everything that you know of the old, with everything that you understand and um, everything that you have heard and that has brought you to the position that you're in now, you ought to be teachers of the experience that you've had. Is basically what it's saying. It's we're not referring to the ministry of teaching. Well, we kind of are and aren't when it comes to um, Ephesians. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about the fact that you know everyone, every Christian has the ability to teach. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that you are born to be a teacher, as in uh, you know that is your purpose, your calling. The uh, that is your um, way of, um, I suppose, being the. Um, the part or the body of Christ that you're contributing to. No, this is just the, the teaching around the experiences of your life and what you've been through. So, uh, you, you know, you're able to teach someone through your experience. 
and that's pretty much what he's saying here. He's not saying, hey, you should be teachers by now, as in, you know, that I'm, I'm placing the calling upon you to be a teacher. He's saying you should be teaching from the depth of what it is that you already know. Got a question? Uh, well, you tend to put another term for spiritual immaturity is spiritual intelligence, as we all have different levels. Oh, yeah, great, gold. Yeah, 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 good. I, I, yeah, 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 it's great. That's a great comment, Jenny. Yeah, I completely agree. Spiritual intelligence. That's fantastic, actually. Um, oh, I really like that. Uh, and, and also, too, when I, when I say spiritual immaturity, that's what is written up on that little um, bold little title that you have sometimes over the verses. Um, I like that. Um, look, I'm always one for crossing that out um, and rewriting what you believe that that should be with understanding through scriptures, because those bold uh, titles obviously aren't in the original text. Um, they're just summaries, if you will, by someone who's only there. So yeah, look, if you're out there, grab a pen, scribble out a maturity and put um, intelligence. I think that that's actually quite cool. A cool way of summarizing it. Thank you for that. Um, oh gosh, where was I? Oh yes, so you should be teachers. You should be teaching it with the knowledge that you have. You should be teachers. Um, but instead, it goes on to say, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Okay, so, so what do we mean here? Okay, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. Um, and you have come to, sorry, and you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. So what he's saying is that, you know, you should be teachers, but instead what, you, what you're doing here is you're requiring someone to teach you the basic fundamentals, the basic structure of the words or the utterances when we talk oracles, the utterances of God. The word again, not teach to begin with, but to teach again those things. You know, there's, there's got to be a... Uh, something has to resonate there with everybody, right? Because when we... Ah, oh, look, I feel so... So, basically, you've got these group of people who uh, have become believers... They do have such a depth of the Holy Scriptures of the Old Testament, but in their believing, where they find themselves is a place of two things. Either one, they're constantly living in a state of a lack of understanding of what's there by their own fault or by their own doing. So they, they neither want to nor choose to dig deeper into the things of God, or two, the things that they're being constantly taught are things that are watered, oh gosh, not watered down, That's no, I'm going to say are things that are um, on repeat, thank you, on repeat, and, and that's why I say it should resonate, right, because sometimes when we, and, and oh my goodness, you know, we've had six weeks of the ability, and this, I mean this, I don't mean this, I'm just going to say it anyway, I don't mean this with any disrespect, right, but here's the thing, for years, people have gone to church, and we've done church the same way, in and out, the same way, all the time, for the past, I don't know how many years, all of people's lives, right, it's, it's church the way we know it, you attend church on a Sunday, you do whatever during the week, and but nonetheless, Sunday is the day that you attend church, 
for the last six to eight weeks for some people, we haven't been able to do church like that. So we've had to diversify. We've had to make a choice. The choice has been placed then on the individual. And that choice is, okay, where am I fed? And in, in asking that question, am I just subscribing to the same old, same old? Am I trying to look for the normal? Or what is God pulling me or, or pushing me towards? What kind of teaching is God pushing or pulling me towards? So it's an important question. And, and over the past six to eight weeks, and going forward, it's going to frame going forward, but over the past six to eight weeks, we've been able to really listen to some amazing teachings out there because we've put on hold and paused what we deem normal on a Sunday, and we've been able to make a decision as to whether we hunger after greater things, not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday, because it's been up to you as to how much you want to fill your day with the teachings of God. You have had to become purposeful with what you have done when it comes to seeking after God. And it's an interesting journey. It should have been an interesting journey. And I think, you know, here they were almost doing the same thing. They were on repeat. They were just going over and over the basics, but but not even going over the basics, forgetting them. Maybe one basic, maybe, um, uh, you know, uh, having a, um, a limited understanding because that's all that was being taught to them. I don't know. But what we do know is that they needed someone to continually teach them the first principles, the foundations of the utterances, the word of God. Now, what are those principles? I mean, that's always an interesting one, right? Because, well, we need to know. Do, do, are we on repeat? I mean, you know, like, do we know what those things are? Well, it's a good thing the writer of Hebrews told us what they are. So let's look at that. Let's go down to 6, uh, chapter 6. And let's go into... Let's start at, you know what, I'm just going to read 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. I'm going to come back to that. Not laying again the foundation of. So this is the author saying, we should be moving on past those things, past those basics, the foundations. As important as they are, let's move on from them. And what are they? They are these things here. Repentance. So the teaching of repentance. So when we talk about repentance, we talk about um, the turning away of, or the turning, the 180 degree, the turning away from sin. So it's not, it, it, repentance is, it, I tell you what, it's not, I'm just going to say it. It's not cheap repentance. It's not raise your hand, have an emotional moment repentance. That's not repentance. That's not what this is talking about. Yeah? Um, and, and that's what it's saying is that if if that is your level of understanding of repentance, then yeah, okay, you've got to go back over the basic fundamentals of what repentance is. We should be moving on from that. But here we are being taught it again. Um, and so it's this, this um, ability to understand that you have, that you're living in sin. 
that you're remorseful for, 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 for the sin that you're living in. That there's that sorrow there that you confess that sin and that you are so... Um, your heart longs and chases after God so much so that you grow a hatred for sin. That you, that you want to walk in the will of God so much so and in his love that you separate yourself from that sin so much, that old lifestyle. See, that's that repentance. That's what the teaching and the foundation of repentance lays. I mean, that, look, I'm, gonna, I'm only briefly going to go through these um, through these foundations because they are a teaching in themselves. Repentance is a teaching unto itself. But when they say repentance, you know, this is what they mean. The very foundation of it, the, um, the fact that there's an understanding that you're turning away from it, from sin. But that it is only the first step to salvation. So repentance. Repentance from dead works. So when we talk about dead works, we talk about um, we talk about the works of the flesh. I mean, well, look, there's, there's, there's two parts here, right? Because we've got to remember who the audience is when we talk about this as well. Um, so when we talk about dead works, we're talking about these Jewish people who believe that they can gain their salvation uh, by through the law, by doing good works. And so these good works are dead works, effectively, because that's not how you gain salvation. And it is also a way of... Um, it is also a way of, um, I suppose... I suppose us trying to earn our salvation, which we know we can't. We cannot earn that. There's only one way to gain salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ, and only through Jesus Christ. So dead works is this trying to gain your salvation through works. But but the other, the other I guess, um, part of dead works, and, and I guess it talks about it in Galatians 5, 5.15, where it talks about um, the... Where it talks about when you walk in the flesh, because anything where you walk in the flesh is deemed to be dead works. And that are works of the flesh. They're dead. They're, they're, they, they have no love of God in them. They have no, they're not um, led by the Holy Spirit. It's not the will of God for you to be doing those things. Therefore, those things are works of the flesh. They are dead works. Does that make sense? Cool. I'm saying, does that make sense as if I expect an answer? Um, yeah. Uh, so by dead works and of faith towards God. So when we're talking about faith towards God, we're talking about that absolute faith towards God. So, you know, once again, obviously this is all within the framework of teachings. So the teaching of faith towards God. And here's, here's the crazy thing, right? Back then, like it is now, there are so many things vying for our faith. Have a think about that. There are so many things vying for our faith, especially in these past few times. Have faith in our government. Have faith in our health system. Have faith in yourself. Build your, your own self up. But realistically, biblical faith is faith in... God and only God. 
We are to have faith in him who is the creator of all things. We are to have faith in him who uh, uh, um, came, died on the cross for our sins, rose again and ascended to be uh, on the right hand of God, the Father. Our faith is to lie in that. We, we shouldn't be um, uh, um, tossing to and fro and placing our faith in other things. Our faith needs to be placed firmly and fully in God. As I said, I'm being very broad, breezing over everything here, but these are the teachings that are the oracle of God. In other words, the basic foundations of God. So to have faith towards God of the doctrine of baptisms. Notice baptisms, S, plural. Yeah? Baptism of water. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism into the body of Christ in accordance with uh, 1 Corinthians. So it's in the doctrines of baptisms. Baptism in the water, the outward acknowledgement of an inward um, expression or, or an inward belief, I should say, that has happened. So that's why when you are baptized in water, normally you're surrounded by family and friends or those that um, are, you, you know, that, that care for you and, and you for them and so that they can see that, look, you're making a statement. You're declaring something. You've been baptized, water baptized today. Uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit where you can, um, you know, obviously when you become a believer, you become infilled or the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So you have this baptism of the Holy Spirit through which we move and grow and build a relationship with. And he listens to the utterances of our heart and communicates them as an intercessor towards Jesus Christ, an intercessor for the, for the Father. Baptism into the body of Christ in accordance with 1 Corinthians where you know we become a, um, a, a people of a wider body, a wider movement of the bride of Christ. Baptisms. So the teaching of, of baptisms. Of laying on of the hands. Which is an interesting one, right? Because a lot of people are like, what do you mean laying on of the hands? Because it gets a little weird sometimes. Need to breathe. It gets a little weird sometimes where, you know, you go to these prayer meetings and everyone's like, oh, I lay on on the hands. And if you're a new Christian, you think, what's going on here? You know, do I lay my hand on? Do you actually touch the person? Do you kind of just, you got a lot of people out on the outside, you know, kind of like putting their hands sort of a foot apart. What does that do? So, you know, you've got this laying on of the hands of, of teaching. And the Old Testament people would have understood this because of the laying on of the hand on the sacrificial lamb that they were given for the transferal of their sin toward that sacrifice. So they understood the laying on of the hands. And then we see the exact same thing in the New Testament where we have the laying on of the hands of the sick. So when you lay your hands, so it's, it's in terms of um, transferal of power, if you will, and according to God. You also have, and as I say, I'm being very broad here, you, you've got a, these things here, you want to study yourself and, you know, build a, an awesome study on the, each of these because these are the basic foundations of the utterances or the word, the words of God. So you've also got the laying on, on the Old Testament. If you look at it, the laying on of the hands of the blessing of the firstborn. So the firstborn, is, you know, you'd have the laying on on the hands of them as you bless them. As you have the laying on in the New Testament, the laying of the hands on those that you are, um, that you are, um, oh gosh, blessing for ministry. So there's this identification that's happening as well. 
the identifying of the firstborn, the identifying of those moving into ministry. So the laying on of hands means something. It's not just it's not just something where, you know, it's this weird thing that Christianity has uh, sparked over years and whatever else. It's, it, it, it has power. It has purpose. Of resurrection of the dead. Of resurrection of the dead. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you've got two there. Of resurrection of dead and of eternal judgment. Those are sort of the last two that it, that it mentions here. Um, and so you've got resurrection of the dead. Now this is the teaching around Jesus Christ, obviously, and his death, his resurrection and his death. Obviously, that's a big part of the foundation of their very belief system. But then you've also got to tie into it. Have you got a question? Um, yeah. Lay, uh, lay hands to heal. To deliver people from, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I, 100%. I think what it is, is, is it's about that, um, as I say, that, uh, that transferal. It's the word I'm trying to think of. It's the transferal of um, the belief and the faith, the prayer, the words spoken over that is within you to the person that you're praying to. It's not this thing where I'm saying transferal of power, where, you know, you put your hands on a person and you transfer something into them, you know, and, and then that comes out of them and in through your hand or something crazy like that. No, 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 no. I mean, that's the good old 80s apostolic days. I remember my dad telling me stories of um, how they used to, and this is where it gets weird, how they used to lay hands on, on people and then, you know, the demonic would come out of the person, but they'd lay newspaper down beforehand because they want the demon to go into the newspaper. So they would lay on, on the hands and the, and, and the, the demon would go out of the person and into the newspaper. And it's, you know, it's things like that that I guess make it difficult uh, to, to talk around the foundations and the teaching on the laying on of the hands because there's a lot of mistranslation, I suppose, that has happened over church history um, that produces, um, uh, I suppose, the, the I, I guess, wrong ideas or wrong thoughts around what the laying on of the hands actually does mean. Yeah. The laying on of hands of anointing, yeah, and identification, anointing, absolutely, yeah, I, I completely agree. And this is why I say I'm being very broad. Look, really read through. Um, it, you know, do the study on the laying on of the hands. It, it's phenomenal. It, the good thing about it too is that, right, when you do these studies individually, what you begin to understand and know is that all these basic, ba and these are basic principles, basic foundations of our belief system. This is, this is, I mean, we're going to talk about this soon. This is the milk. So when you, um, when you do your study on these, and then you find you work these into your everyday Christian belief in your life, such as the laying on of hands when you go to pray, the, the meaning and the purposefulness with which you do this becomes so much more and the person that you're praying for the understanding that you have becomes so much greater you know it doesn't become something that is that is awkward or weird or uh, there's these misunderstandings around it it becomes purposeful and powerful and there's a point to it
And that's the point of learning the, the basic foundations of these things. I mean, I could, to be honest, I could spend an hour teaching on each one of them and going through passages and chapters and talking about and expanding upon this. You know, I mean, there's so many scriptures that talk to the laying on of the hands, both in the old and the new and, uh, and, and especially the Old Testament as well. Not many of us understand the laying on of the hands and what it actually meant throughout the Old Testament. But uh, it is mentioned a few times in the times that it is mentioned. It is, once again, it is really powerful, but it, it brings about a measure into the New Testament, which you understand the shadowing of, and then you go, oh, wow, I get it. I get it. The transferal, the identification, the transferal, the identification, the power, the healing, the, you know, and you see all of these things working together, the old and the new working together, where um, it then begins to mean something for you. Make sense? I hope so. I hope so. Um, so the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. You've also, as I said, the resurrection of the dead, um, you know, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, Jesus Christ, because that's the basic teaching here. I mean, the apostles spent basically the whole of Acts talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, his resurrection from the dead, his coming again, his walking the earth, his teachings, but his resurrection from the dead and what it actually meant. You know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in that. So you had Jews out there that didn't believe in it. So that's why it was a, a quite a big teaching for Christianity is because they wanted, you know, the Jewish people to understand resurrection of the dead is something that needs to happen and does happen because it's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, and eternal judgment. Everybody must understand that if you do not come to know Jesus Christ, you will be judged. There will come a time that you will be judged in this life or the next, as in whether God comes and you're not, you haven't died here, so to speak, or whether you pass and then there comes a time, Perusia, where we are judged, there will be judgment upon those, an eternal judgment, great white throne upon those who do not believe. But those that do believe, when we stand in front of the judgment seat, you are rewarded. So either or either way, eternal judgment is what we need to believe. I didn't do too bad at timing. I thought that was actually better than I, I thought. So those are the basic fundamentals and the principles and the utterances of God. And here we have, coming all the way back, here we have this Hebrews author saying, you Pharisees, uh, no, you Pharisees, you, you Jewish people, from all your understanding of the old, all these things that you've learned about, as we said, you know, the laying on of the hands, the eternal judgment, which is talked about in the Old Testament, um, doctrines of baptisms is talked about in the Old Testament as well, um, the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, there's so much about it. You know, obviously, uh, water baptism, John was doing that before Jesus even came. So um, the dead works, repentance, they were all well aware of these things. So their belief in Christ should have... Um, uh, should have basically built upon the foundation that they already had. And so these are the basics for them. These are the basics for all Christians. These are the things that we need to learn and the basic fundamentals of our faith. And so he is saying, look, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you about the greater things. I really, really am. And if you read in 6, he says, let us go on to perfection. That word perfection is actually in the Greek. It's um, full growing maturity let us go on to maturity and if you um and if you carry on reading after he talks about those things to end after it says eternal judgment 6 verse 3 it says and this we will do if god permits let us go on 
to maturity, these will, this we will do if God permits it. So in other words, if we don't know the foundations, the basic foundations, we will continually go and learn those over and over again. But if we seek and we push in, God will reveal more. He will permit you to reveal um, and, and he will permit you to see more of who he is. And this is what he is saying when he is saying, because of the dullness of your spirit, because your, your eyes haven't been, because you're still continuously learning these basic foundations, it's hard for God to show you all this other stuff I'm about to talk to you about, the order of Melchizedek, the high priest, the priesthood. For you have come to need milk and not solid food. In other words, you're relying on someone else to feed you. You cannot feed yourself. You still have this reliance on the milk of the word. You should be more mature than this. Seek after God. Seek after his word. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is but a babe. I think... You know, when we talk about these things and when we talk about the milk of the word and the meat of the word, what we do need to understand is that in order for us to push into the meat, in order for us to gain revelation, we first of all must seek the things that are the basic principles of our faith. You know, God wants us to learn these things. God wants us to know these things because how can you go forward without learning the basic foundations of anything? I've got, um, you know, two beautiful daughters um, and uh, 16 and 14, and when they do their maths, um, it's interesting because if they miss something that is at the beginning, go a year later and you try to learn something more complex, and if you've missed that something or not understood it in the beginning, it's very hard to build upon what you don't already know. It's very hard to know how to then complete this complex equation when the beginning and the basic foundation has not been built yet. You need to go back and understand this basic foundation and then the beauty of the fullness, the maturity of what it is that God has for you is so much greater. There's no point getting half-truths. Go back and learn the basics and the foundations so that when you push into God, you gain the fullness, the full maturity of what it is that he has for you. I hope that's okay. I'm going to leave it there. That's a little bit under time, but I am going to leave it there. Um... Milk feeders need to be fed. My wife behind the camera, she's right stuff down and just like holds it up. She's going to say this. Um, so milk needers need to be fed. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Milk needers have that need to be fed. They can't, they, it's interesting when you, um, milk, you don't need to chew it. You don't need to mull it over. You just drink it, it goes down. It should be nice and easy. It's foundational to your faith. The meat, you chew on it. You chew on it. You chew on it. And then you swallow it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to mull over it. Uh, you know, it is something that you do need to seek and feed yourself. Oh, you've got to have that ability to find it, yeah. But I mean, you know, as I say at the end, you, first of all, you've got to have a great understanding of the foundational stuff as well first before you move on. So anyway, look, it'd be great if you're out there and you're thinking, wow, yeah, I'd love to know more about that foundational stuff. Um, please, please, please dig in deeper. Grab that Hebrews 6 one, go through each of those things, go through your scriptures, Pour yourself over each of those things as a little study separate to themselves. Learn more about them. 
and then see what God has for you. I know he's going to give you much, much, much more than you ever suspected and ever thought. Just learning about those things, let alone what he has future for you. But that is your foundation. I'll leave it there. I'll pray. And then um, you can enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, Lord, thank you so much that we get to do this. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that we have the, Lord, you've, you've placed the depths of your word for us to read, for us to pour over, to meditate over, Lord God. And uh, Lord, you, you never hold anything back from us if we only seek, God, if we only ask, Lord, if we lack wisdom, we ask, Lord, you will grant it to us. But God, we pray, Heavenly Father, at first as we mark upon a journey of those foundational truths, God, that you share and you show some amazing conviction in our hearts, Lord God, of what these truths are. But Lord, that it grows us, that it builds us, that it builds upon a foundation and grows a foundation that we have so that, God, we can teach others. Lord, we can walk in the fullness, the full maturity that you have for us and start chewing over that meat. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.